and welcome to another episode of The Partial Historians. We are back from our break. I am Dr. Radford. And I am Dr. Greenfield. And today we are going to be taking on the very exciting topic of Tiberius. Love him or hate him. (laughs) Now we've already signalled, I think, my slight... Ever so slight partiality. <laughs> so you're a partiality for, but I think I might be a slight partiality. See, no, I don't get against. that. I don't get that because if you like Augustus, how can you not like Tiberius? That's what I want. It's to all know. about the charisma. I really uh, think Tiberius just doesn't have it going on. Well, I guess I have to concede that maybe that's the case, but perhaps we should we should go back to the beginning. Also, <laughs> also less physically attractive. Yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Second, I think Tiberius is well well established as a handsome man. Uh, <laughs> we'll save that debate for later. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. So, so what we essentially uh, doing uh, in this particular episode is delving into Tiberius, the life of. Yes. Just a brief overview. Obviously, we're looking at about 20 minutes and we're already like a couple of minutes in. So, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a lightning fast sort of pursuit of his career overall. Absolutely. Getting a sense of the man, where he is in Rome. Yes. How, how is he positioned in history? Absolutely. Like yep, yep. So. Cool. So to begin at the very beginning, Tiberius mm. is the son of Livia mm. and her husband Prior to Augustus. Wait for it. Tiberius Claudius Nero. Shocking, I know. (laughs) The Romans were so unimaginative with their names. (laughs) I, Father Tiberius, bequeath ye with my name, Tiberius. Yes, right. (laughs) May you Um, prosper. Yes. And so Tiberius probably had, I mean, we don't know this for sure, of course. Um, This is just a uh, based on you know excerpts in Suetonius and obviously just general logic, but Tiberius probably would have had quite an interesting young childhood because his parents mm. were not on you know in the good books at first, were they? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean Livia and uh, her husband Tiberius were on the run essentially. Mm. They were on the wrong side of the, yeah. of the civil war conflict as, yes. it, as, as it was hotting up, which we did, which we detailed in our discuss, discussion of Augustus. Yeah, last yeah, episode, and. Yeah. And then they end up back in Rome at, mm. at some stage, and she's heavily pregnant with her second child, and it all happens very quickly, and obviously then she's married to Augustus and divorced from Tiberius, mm. and Tiberius uh, Claudius Nero actually allows his two sons, mm. after the birth of the second child, to be adopted by Augustus. So at that point, they move legally into mm. his household, and... Tiberius Claudius Nero dies Not relatively after. soon after yeah. that, and so is no longer an issue. Mm. So normally, of course, and I think we've talked about this before. Um, well, as far as we can tell, normally anyway, uh, it would be more the case that the children would stay with the father as long as he was living. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, it is an unusual arrangement because yeah. because of the concept of. Um, Patria potestas. Yes. You would expect the children to stay in the realm of the power of, the of their natural father. Yeah. The fact that he's willing to give that up seems very strange yeah. on the one hand, and perhaps is compelling for the sorts of things that were going on in the three-way relationship that must have existed between Livia, 
Yes. Augustus. Perhaps there's something to do with, uh, as you were talking about, you could kindly say Augustus's charisma, but probably more likely the... <laughs> oh, yes. Whoa. Let's, <laughs> run, let's, let's run with Augustus's charisma. Yeah. Winning over another man. Yeah, maybe it's allowing, more after allowing I've seen... Yeah, to after, marry his wife. <laughs> after I've seen all these people that you killed, maybe I don't want to fight with you on <laughs> this issue. Maybe my children will survive better yes. if I just give them away. You want my wife? Take my wife. <laughs> you want my kids? Sure. <laughs> so Tiberius has this sort of tumultuous t- childhood where yeah. he loses his father. Quite unusual. Uh, yeah. In, in a couple of ways. And, yes. And from that point onwards, he's firmly inside this new Julian household. Yeah, and I mean, he was born in 42 BC, we think. Mm. And, oh, um, we're very specific about that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, even before that, I mean, being on the run with his parents, it must have been a very weird early well, life. You, would you know, think, I, would yeah. have, I, I would imagine that he's probably a bit too young to remember heaps about it. No, but, but he, you, you, know. Know, you know how they say, you know, children have a sense of these things. Uh, yeah, yeah. The impressions. Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm being an actor and it's particularly psychological, but... <laughs> and he spends the rest of his life on the run. That's right. <laughs> Running from himself. <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. But anyway, he crops up again in a significant way being a military tribune. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, sorry, before we move on to his, oh, uh, his yeah, career... Sure. I would just like to note, I should mm. say, that with um, you know, his himself and his brother going to live with Augustus and Livia as a new couple, um, at this stage it's not because Augustus wants them as his heirs, as in he's running. No, no. This is this is far too Early. It's, it's, it's too yeah. early for that sort of thing. Um, you wouldn't be despairing as yet of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Octavian, because that's essentially, that's, yeah. that's a much more sort of appropriate term for him at this stage. Sure. He, he's not established fully in his political career yet. No. His dominance in Rome is not assured. No. Um, and even so, even if it was, Livia's obviously just given birth to Tiberius's younger brother. <laughs> and on top of that... Augustus's wife had not long ago produced his first child. Mm. Sadly, what was going to be his only child, but he didn't know that at that time. So he's obviously probably hoping at this stage, you know, early marriage, that he and Livia are going to produce yeah, yeah. plenty of offspring. So, Definitely. yeah, it's not for that reason necessarily that he was. No, yeah. no. Mm. I, I mean, taking on the children seems to be uh, perhaps part of his affection for Livia. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a tiny bit political because it gets it's a leverage thing with, sure. with the former with Tiberius boys Nero around, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know I don't, yeah. <laughs> who knows okay so sorry yes military tribune oh yeah <laughs> so so we, we then jump forward yes uh, <laughs> uh, Tiberius's political career becomes uh, actively advanced under his association with uh, Augustus as you would expect as you would expect yes. and, and particularly in the years following 31 when mm. Uh, Octavian has gained his ascendancy. Yep. And we start to see things like uh, holding positions of note prior to the standard age at which they would be held by a Roman citizen. Absolutely. So he's quite young when he's military tribune, Mm -hmm. 26, 25 BC. Yep. Uh, He heads out with Augustus on campaign. Yep. And the next year, or within the next two years, he becomes quaestor, uh, which is sort of this uh, legal... Secretary, yeah. money. It's one of the one of the lower rungs on the uh, the ladder to political. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's one of the stepping stones on this cursus honorum. Yes, uh, the... yeah, which hopefully will eventually lead you to be consul. <laughs> this ladder of honor, yeah. <laughs> uh, which takes you through your political career. So it's a yeah. it's a stepping stone that's 
that needs to be held if you want to become a senator and a yep. consul. Yeah, like on. snakes and ladders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need to hold this, Stephanie. You <laughs> but you're essentially like playing around with money, being yep. a bit of a secretary, managing funds, looking after army, yep. uh, finances, things like that. Yep. He holds that position of quaestor five years before the recommended age to do so. See, what a go-getter. <laughs> I think he's been given a leg up. Whatever. By, by, by a man Oh, yeah, and Augustus didn't get any help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where did he get his name from, huh? Tell me that. <laughs> I believe Augustus was given that name by the Senate. <laughs> Not that name. <laughs> I see what you're doing. I'm yeah. like, not falling for these traps. <laughs> you're too good for me as always, Dr. G. <laughs> Surely not. Um... But we see him uh, continuing to be advanced. He moves very uh, rapidly into the position of praetor, so mm-hmm. army general. Yep. Uh, he doesn't have absolute control of an army. As a praetor, he's still under the command of a consul, yes. if if that is the case. Yep. Uh, sometimes consuls are there, sometimes they're not. Yep. Uh, so in 16 BC, he becomes praetor, uh, romps out with Augustus into Gaul, Hanging. Yeah. <laughs> fun time, fun time. And, and at 15, he's still praetor and he's out there and he engages in the subjugation of some alpine tribes with his brother Drusus. Oh, who he loved. Yeah, well, Drusus, Drusus is clearly getting advanced as well at this yes. stage. Yeah. So he and his younger brother are both sort of out there actively yep. uh, fulfilling. Doing it. Yeah, doing, doing it for the people. <laughs> filling the p- political roles, filling military positions. And and this is but just a short step to his first consulship. Yes, and I mean his his military role he seems to have been quite a natural fit, wouldn't you say? From as far as we can tell from the sources, he does quite well in his military role. Yeah, yeah, he seems yeah. to be well respected by the soldiers, yeah. and he has a lot of success in his military career, particularly yes. early on. Yeah, uh, so he does he does carry that with him as a as a positive, if you like. I'm willing to concede. Thanks, <laughs> thanks. That's right. That's what I was getting. At. I just wanted you to say it. Oh, I to hear you say the word, and then I said it. <laughs> And it was distasteful. <laughs> hey, I had to give Augustus some praise every now and then. <laughs> Tit for tat. <laughs> uh, so he becomes consul in what, 13 BC? Yep. He's 30 years of age. Mm-hmm. So the traditional oh. traditional age for the consulship is... About 40, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 40, yeah. 42. So yeah. he's doing pretty well. He is. He's such a, <laughs> such a talent. And he's not, even, he's not even junior consul. He's like... <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so he, he holds the consulship. This is very impressive. Yep. He's and he doesn't out. stuff it up, does he? Does he? Well, there are, <laughs> there, are there are a couple of points at which he annoys okay. uh, Augustus. I think uh, he sits. Oh, annoys Augustus. Whoa. <laughs> I, think, I think he could sits, there be a greater crime? He sits Gaius Caesar, um, one of Julius' sons, next to Augustus at a games, and mm. apparently this was inappropriate. And <laughs> Augustus gets mad about this later with him. Um, so there's a little bit of squabbling going on about. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, for, as far as the people are concerned, you know, let's, let's be democratic. <laughs> Yeah. He doesn't really stuff things up for them, does he? (laughs) (laughs) Well, not so far as we can tell. Definitely not. (laughs) She's trying really hard not to (laughs) give him any more compliments. (laughs) Certainly not. But at at this point in time, though, it's important that uh, we understand that his personal life starts to intersect with his political life. Yes, and because this is, but this is well into Augustus's career now as well. Yeah, like, and Augustus like BC, we're deeply entrenched in the Augustan period. Exactly, and Augustus is probably starting to stress a little bit that there's been no more, no more babies. <laughs> um, <laughs> where from are, where are the babies? Where are the babies? <laughs> um, Livia has not produced. 
produced an heir for him as yet. No. Um, and so he has already probably started to panic a little bit. Well, he's been optioning around. Because yeah. it's not like he doesn't have certain options. I mean, of course, A, a gripper yeah. is obviously somebody who's on his radar, but a gripper, his good friend a gripper, dies in yes. 12 yes. Uh, BC. And there are the children of Julia, Julia and Agrippa, yeah. And Agrippa, so he has grandchildren to think about. Yes. Uh, as possible heirs. Yeah. So he's not... He's not completely without options. Yeah, he's not without options. But he's looking at adoption at this point. But he's certainly looking to shore up the position of his family in a number of ways. And part of how this comes about is we get um, the marriage of Tiberius and Vipsania Mm. uh, comes undone because Augustus forces a divorce. Yes, you see, and this this is where I say, how could you possibly dislike Tiberius? This is where I say he's a weak character. Oh, oh. <laughs> because he's not some ruthless son of a bitch who takes <laughs> other men's pregnant wives away from them and then steals because their children Because he doesn't too. stand up to the part of familias. <sighs> well, well, but Because well. The, sources, the sources seem to suggest that he really does have a, a strong affection for yes. Vipsania. Yes, let me enlighten our audience a little bit, shall I? <laughs> I defy anyone not to weep when I hear this tale. Here we go. Okay. And when he had begotten of her a son named Drusus, this is his first wife, Visania, he was forced to put her away, although he loved her still and knew her to be again with child in order to wed Julia, the daughter of Augustus. This he did, not without much grief and heartbreak. For not only did he still desire Agrippina, as in Vipsania. <laughs> but he also disliked the demeanour of Julia, who had exhibited her fancy, in disposi- her fancy in disposition for him while she was the wife of a former husband, <laughs> and who, it was generally thought, was a woman of free and inconstant character. He suffered so keenly at the parting with Agrippina, and upon meeting her by chance afterwards, he followed her with eyes so full of affection and longing that great care was taken that she should never again <laughs> cross his path. Oh, God. The yeah. tragedy. <laughs> oh, God, the tragedy. So, like, they lock Vipsania away, so she can't possibly run into him. <laughs> well, it's still a sad story. I just think of the song Hungry Eyes whenever I hear that. <laughs> it's dirty dancing, people. <laughs> there, there is certainly an element of tragedy, yes. uh, which is imbued into narratives relating to Tiberius's personal life. Yes. And the way, in which, <laughs> the way in which it's manipulated by Augustus for his own ends. Yes. I think part of the sadness of this story is that, that it's in a sense, political invective that's tailored towards criticising Augustus in some way. Oh, and heaven forbid we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was willing to go there. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, continue, continue. I'm not sure that I've got a point up. No, that. That was, sorry, that was sorry. kind of it, really. I know what you mean, I know what you mean. Yeah, you're right, because basically it is a political move to marry Tiberius to Julia after mm. the death of Agrippa. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. This this cements Tiberius inside the Julian family in a much tighter way than than that than just the adoption. Yes, and, and it means that the children of that union will be like double Julian, if you like. Yeah, uh, not just Julian because Tiberius has been adopted into family, but also because Julia is obviously the natural daughter of Augustus. Yes. So, and let's face it, Augustus probably reasons. also had another motive in this marriage, in the sense that. With Agrippa out of the picture, who was obviously a very big part of Augustus's life, mm. um, and had been with him from you know 
pre-acting. Very, very yeah. early on, yeah. Um, he probably also wanted someone who he felt like he could probably trust to protect the interest of his grandchildren a little bit, you know? Mm. Mm. Um, and watch out for them as well. And I suppose he thought Tiberius was maybe the right person to do that. Yeah, well, it turns out he's wrong about that. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, he is. Uh, things were, <laughs> so he marries, Tiberius and Julia marry in about 11 BC, so mm. very quickly after the divorce from Vipassania. Yeah. Uh, they do have a son who dies in infancy, mm. uh, reputedly. Uh, the marriage is, starts off well. It goes downhill rather quickly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to the point at which our sources tend to speculate that Tiberius leaves Rome to, yeah, to get away to, from her. To, <laughs> to get away from her, yeah. Um, he moves to Rhodes, which is pretty far away. It's, yeah, it's far away. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't return until after she's been exiled on account of adultery in two Which is AD. probably a lucky break for him, really, <laughs> let's face it. <laughs> he may never have come back. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I think this tells us something about Tiberius's character. When the going gets tough, get out of there. Oh, oh, okay, so wait, is this not standing up to Augustus? Is this not? He decides, you know what, I really can't hack it. I'm not going to get out of this marriage, so I'm just going to bugger off, man. You can't stop me. You can't stop me. But this is, this is going to set a trend for Tiberius's career. That's true. Yeah. Uh, sadly. Yeah. Uh, so he, he leaves. He absents himself from Rome. Uh, it doesn't look good. He withdraws uh, into himself. He is a little bit of an introvert. Everybody, everybody in Rome thinks this is not good. No. Uh, and he seems to be concerned about his reputation in Rome as well. Sure. Uh, he's offered a few sort of compensatory titles uh, while he's out there, yeah. just so to smooth it over a little bit. Because yeah, he's gone, I mean, when you think about it, eight years. Like, that's a long time to be gone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, I Away mean... Away from everyone. And, and yeah. what's going on? I mean, he's not doing anything. Well, I beg to differ. He's getting an education. He's <laughs> talking with philosophers and astrologers and... <laughs> mm. All sorts mm. of important things, yeah. <laughs> well, things start to really take off once he gets back. Yes. Uh, so we have his his uh, his formal uh, adoption yes. in AD 4. Yes, and why? Why is Augustus doing this? <laughs> well, things have gone downhill with the grandchildren. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's suddenly really short of heirs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, tragic events mm. uh, tear away all of his male grandchildren. Yep. And Augustus... Uh, looks around and notices that Tiberius is kind of his only last real option. Yeah. Um, and even then he doesn't really want him because he he formalises the adoption of Tiberius by forcing Tiberius to adopt Germanicus, yep. a sort of an out there, far-blown relative. Yes, and Germanicus is the son. far more charismatic with the Roman people. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Germanicus, I'm just casting over that. Germanicus <laughs> is the son of his beloved brother, um, who had uh, unfortunately passed away, uh, you know, earlier. Which is another tragedy for Tiberius. You know, all the people he loved, they go away. Uh, yeah, sad. yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, Germanicus, the son of Drusus, Tiberius's yes. brother. Yes. Uh, things are going to get more chaotic with family names from here on out. Yeah, sorry <laughs> as about a that. warning. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to try and keep them as clear as possible. Them, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So Tiberius adopts his nephew. Yep. Um, who is older than his own son? Is he not? Mm, I believe so, yes. and which basically means that Tiberius is being forced to to place Germanicus as his primary heir, yeah, above his own natural son, born son. Yeah. Thanks, Augustus, you're a real <laughs> pal. 
<laughs> yeah. not, not standing up to the patriarchy again <laughs> leads to trouble. But you see, this is the thing about Tiberius. It's not that he's not standing up to it. It's just that he has such a strong sense of duty. <laughs> duty above all. He's like Queen Elizabeth II. Oh, Pietas. <laughs> Pietas is a very noble Roman it is. quality. Yeah, um, you can't bag him out for that. <laughs> I'm surprised because uh, he does get bagged out a lot in, in the ancient sources he for does. these sorts of things. There's yes. a lot of implied criticism. Yes. But in any case... Yeah, so he's adopted formally, and this would seem to signal that he is probably Augustus's... Uh, one of Augustus's main options, yeah, just in case, yeah, yeah things... Yeah, well, this out. is politically <laughs> cemented as well. Yeah, so yeah. he's given tribunician potestas, the power of a tribune. Which is one of the things that Augustus had used to put together his rather abnormal position. <laughs> one of, part of part of the Augustan power package. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> it's a package deal. <laughs> it is, it is. Along with the tribunician potestas comes the Imperium. Oh you've got to have the Imperium. <laughs> uh, the Imperium. So your your legal ability to uh, rule militarily in certain areas. Yep. Uh, Tiberius is given this to cover most areas mm-hmm. uh, that Rome controls, not yep. Italy and Rome itself. Of course. Um, and he's also made proconsul, which is basically just what you call somebody when you're giving them an official title after they've been consul. Yes. Um, so he had a second consulship in 7 BC. Mm-hmm. Um, so Just before he went into... Just, <laughs> just before he left exile, yeah. <laughs> Very handy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and now in AD 4, we have his formal adoption. We have all of this sort of... Um, political uh, symbolism yeah. placed upon him. He's back, baby. Yeah, he's <laughs> back. He's back in the fold, but not for long. Um, though he's given all of this sort of uh, symbolic power, what have you, puts him on a certain... Places him as the second man after Augustus, yes. essentially. Yeah. And he holds and, these sort of powers for 10 years. Yeah, and interestingly, isn't it the same time that Augustus also sort of formally adopts his remaining grandchild by Julia, Agrippa Postumus, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of seen, I think, as a bit of a slap in the face, or at least <laughs> at least the ancient sources would have us read it as such, because his remaining grandchild's meant to be... He's rather a mysterious character, but he's painted as being something of a brute. Like, what that actually means, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. He's... I mean, I think... Very uncivilised. Yeah, is it Tacitus who said he was born without any redeeming quality? <laughs> <laughs> was that Suetonius? Uh, I can't It sounds a bit like Tacitus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but in any case, I mean, Agrippa Postumus, yeah, he's adopted at the same time, but, I mean, it doesn't work out with him as we find no. out later. And I think he cops a bad rap at, at the point at which these sort of histories are being written precisely because of how it turns out. Yes, yes. Um, clearly from Augustus' perspective... Yes. ...in AD 4... He's as good as option yeah, as, as any, Tiberius. As Tiberius. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, he's, he's too young. So, but yeah, yeah, but he's not given yeah. any of these additional political powers. No. He's too young for them. That would be foolish. <laughs> yeah. And even though Tiberius is given these uh, political options, he is then off on campaign. Yep. He's not in Rome at all. Doing what he does uh, best, <laughs> I would argue. <laughs> well, so you've got things like his campaign in Germania yep. uh, for two years, between four and six AD. That's, a, that's uh, roughly Germany. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's and then there's an uprising in Pannonia, which is next door to Germania. Yep. Uh, this takes another three years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's after that period that he goes about a whole bunch of military consolidation of the Rhine, mm. uh, one of these sort of border river things uh, <laughs> for those military types. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that takes another couple of years as well. And so 
he really only comes back to Rome yep. in order to get these special powers that he's had for 10 years renewed. Yep. Uh, well, it's a necessary step. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, yeah. Le- yeah. Legally, it's appropriate. Get yeah. your powers renewed. Exactly. Because um, <laughs> if they expire, you might never <laughs> You'll be sorry. <laughs> Don't let, yeah, it's like a passport. Don't let it go out of date. Exactly. It's just much more difficult much, to get them back again. <laughs> much easier to just get it renewed. Yeah. Um, have to apply all over again. Exactly. So he comes back. Gets his tribunition protestas. Yep. Gets his imperium. Gets his his proconsulship reaffirmed. Cha ching. <laughs> it's AD thirteen. It's another ten years. Everyone's like, ah, the imperium this time is even better than it was before. Ooh. It does. It does now equal Augustus's imperium. So they're like. The same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the same standing? Never. <laughs> Which is really handy because in the very next year... Uh-oh. Dun, dun, Augustus dies. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> and I think, actually, this would probably be a good point to wrap it up. We're, it on, the, would, we're yeah. on the cusp of Tiberius <laughs> as the princeps as right. emperor yeah. uh, what is going to happen no no one's ever died before when they've been princeps <laughs> well, I mean like the fastest with princeps I should we say. are in new territory we are what's going to happen is the world going to end <laughs> Do on, that know, note, yeah. well, <laughs> on that note on that note we'll very excitedly bid you adieu farewell